so we've been doing this, this Nehemiah series kind of because the reason that we uh, decided to do it is because they were rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And they did it in 52 days and it was really impressive. Uh, and they said God was on their side. All of the enemies around Jerusalem, all of the enemies of the one true God that we serve still today, they were terrified because of the fact that the Jews rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem so quickly. And they said there's no other way they could have done it without God being on their side. So week one, we talked about Nehemiah one, how he prayed and fasted. They were in exile in Babylon. Uh, there was still a big group of Jews that were still in exile. Some of them had already gone back, rebuilt the temple and things, but the wall was still messed up. And so Nehemiah goes to the king after praying and fasting. We see Nehemiah two, he says, hey, I have this plan. I wanna go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding this wall. Uh, and my people are just really struggling there. And, and would you mind if I did that? He says, absolutely. He sends him with a bunch of stuff and a bunch of people and they go back. Nehemiah formulates a plan. We talked about uh, Nehemiah three. That's when they actually start getting to work, right? And it says, and next to him, and next to him, they rebuilt this part. And next to him, they rebuilt this part. And next to him, this family, the goldsmith, and then the perfume maker, and then this guy, this noble, and then this, this, this lowly kind of person. Like they all work together. And we talked about what it looks like to be in community and how we need to be built by community. So it's built by prayer, built by faith, then built by community. And then last week we had another message, but listen, this week I wanna get into built by generosity. Somebody say generosity. generosity. Nehemiah five, you can go ahead and turn there. We'll get to it in just a minute. But I wanna preface this uh, with a little Christmas in August. Are you guys okay with that? Can we have Christmas in August for a second? All right, I don't know about you, but one of the best movies of all time, if not the best movie of all time, what do you think it is? <laughs> die Hard. Did somebody say Die Hard? <laughs> is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Yeah, you're my people. That's what I'm talking about. Is Die Hard not a Christmas movie? Get out of town, people. Get out of town. All right. Listen, put it on the screen. I want to see him, Mr. George Bailey himself. Go ahead, put that picture up on the screen if you can. That is a great movie. It's a wonderful life. Listen, I absolutely love it. It's just a tearjerker. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It's amazing. And uh, it really illustrates kind of a little bit of what I want to talk about today. Um, you see Mr. Bailey here, but then you have uh, another guy. Actually, let's go ahead and go to the second picture there. You have George Bailey and then Mr. Potter. And what a jerk he was, right? I mean, listen, here's the deal. He wanted to own everything in Bedford Falls. Uh, and he actually ends up resenting the Baileys because they're kind of standing in his way of owning everything, right? Uh, and this movie, George uh, and his father, they're the, the complete opposite of being greedy. They're very, very generous people. Their business was founded on generosity and they make loans to people that really can't honestly afford it. And they're very poor and sometimes they can't even pay them back and... But Potter, on the other hand, he doesn't do anything like that unless it makes him money, all right? This dude is money hungry. If it's not enriching him, he ain't doing it. And so the Baileys, by actually helping these lower income people uh, take out money from Potter's pocket itself. And so uh, people are moving out of their, their nasty old apartments into homes because of the Baileys are really helping them out. And they love the Baileys, right? And everyone doesn't really like uh, Mr. Potter. And so that's why he kind of has it out for him. He's just an unhappy, mean, 
nasty, really just, a, he's a, it's a type of a Scrooge. Absolutely, that's exactly what he is. And he is motivated by one thing and one thing only, and that is greed. Somebody say greed. Get the nitty gritty, say greed. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's how Mr. Potter operates, okay? Uh, so the, the title of the message is Built by Generosity, but if you wanted to take notes today and you wanted to have kind of like a subtitle, if you will, uh, it would be greed versus generosity. Greed versus generosity. And so we're gonna go ahead and start. I have a fairly long passage in Nehemiah 5. It should be on the screen for you, but you can also read along with me. Um, so Nehemiah chapter five, verse one, let's go ahead and start. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons, our daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our houses to get grain because of the famine. And then there were those who said, we borrowed money for the king's tax on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is as the flesh of our brothers, our children, are as their children, yet we're forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it's not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. Listen, if you're not understanding this, give it a second, I'll explain, all right? I was very angry, Nehemiah, I was very angry when I heard their outcry in these words. I took counsel with myself, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials. I said to them, you're exacting interest, each from his brother, and I held a great assembly against them and said, we, are as, uh, we, as far as we are able, have bought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers that may, they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. The young people might say she was too stunned to speak. Anyway, so I said, if you're under 30, you don't get that one. So I said, the thing, uh, the thing that you were doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards, and their houses, and the percentage of money, grain, and wine, and oil that you've been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Basically, they said, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. We will do exactly what you want. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. So this is kind of a, a lengthy passage here, but I wanted to get through it so we can kind of understand what's happening here in Nehemiah 5. What this passage is describing is the economic injustice of the poor that are living in Jerusalem. But what's worse about it, it's not just economic injustice of the poor that were living in Jerusalem, the Jews that were there, but it was being done by the other Jews that were living in Jerusalem. Yeah. That was what was so upsetting to Nehemiah about the, all this is that they were not actually supposed to, by law, be charging interest for any kinds of loans or anything like that. And yet all of the rich nobles and all of the high religious leaders and things like that, you know, they got all kinds of money. They're doing just fine. And so they said, you know what? All these people are poor. There's a little bit of a famine. There wasn't a lot of food going around. And so they were making these people mortgage their homes. And then they were basically taking a lot of interest. They were having to pay them back with a lot of interest, just exorbitant amount. Uh, and so that's how they were able to buy food for their families. It was just absolutely awful. It was brother against brother. And so these first 13 verses, we kind of see uh, the definition of greed, right? 
And then in the second half, you'll see in verses 14 through 19, if you wanna get ahead, you can go ahead and start reading it. But in verses 14 through 19, we'll see in just a little bit, the definition of generosity, which is what Nehemiah embodies. I wanna start with this other passage, Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says this in the message version. I really like this one in the message. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. If you want your world to get larger and larger, if you wanna have great relationships with people around you, if you wanna be happier, if you wanna be fulfilled in life, you want people to like you and you to like them and you to have great relationships with other people, man, listen, be a generous person, all right? When you're selfish and when you keep things to yourself, your world is gonna get smaller and smaller and smaller because why? Because you only care about yourself. So what are you gonna end up with? Yourself. That's it, that's it. And so I'm gonna give you three things today that greed says and then contrast them with three things that generosity says. You guys good with that? All right, the first one, if you're taking notes, greed says, how can this relationship benefit me? How can this relationship benefit me? But generosity says, how can this relationship benefit them? I'm sure you have all had relationships where you have felt one way or the other. And definitely on the first question there, how can this relationship benefit me? I I saw an article as I was looking all this stuff up and it was pretty upsetting because there was just so many articles saying that the only reason that people become friends with you is to get something out of you. Have you ever felt that way before? Like you have some friends and literally like you can tell the only reason that they're your friend is because of what they can do for you, right? And and the things that they get from you. I think we've all had a needy friend before who just constantly asks and asks and wants a favor here and wants a favor there and wants a favor here and wants a favor there and needs to, oh, I need five bucks here for some food. Like, and then you're like, they're like, I'll pay you back. And then they never do, you know what I mean? Like you've had a friend like that before. Um, But then you have a good friend who instead of saying, hey, what can I get out of this relationship for me? Hey, I'm in this friendship to say, how can I bless you? How can I help you? Uh, How can we mutually grow together? Like that iron sharpens iron kind of community that the Bible talks about. That's what good friendships are like. In John 15, it says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay one's life down for one's friends. Now that is a good friend, amen? To lay your life down, not necessarily physically, like you're not actually gonna go out and die for your friend. I really hope that never has to happen. You have to make that kind of a choice. But what is that really saying? It's saying that I'm gonna lay my life down. I'm gonna be generous. I'm not gonna be selfish, but I'm gonna give everything I have to those that are around me. I'm gonna have good friendships. And also, I think uh, this applies to husbands and wives too, right? You know what I'm talking about. Come on now. I don't be glaring at each other like, mm-hmm, I know you as selfish as can be. Mm-hmm. Like some of y'all already looking right now. And I get it. Listen, it's very easy to slip into that at some point in your marriage or in a, in a dating relationship. But what does the Bible say? It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What are we seeing there? It's another example of the Bible saying that you're supposed to give up yourself for somebody else. 
Now that's not human nature, right? Like, do you understand that that's not how we normally operate? I'm not just walking around on a regular basis, just thinking to myself, how can I just lay down my life for somebody today? You know, like that's not a normal thought that I have in my head. So that's why we have to train ourselves because a lot of times our natural way of thinking is actually contrary to the kingdom of God, right? We have to try to get Jesus' thoughts up in our head and get our own thoughts out because our own thoughts are sinful and evil. And we have to try to replace them with Holy Spirit thoughts saying, hey, how can I lay down my life for somebody else? How can I give of myself for my wife today? What can I do that's not going to benefit me, but that's going to benefit her? And wives, you're saying the same thing. How can I not think about myself and my own needs necessarily, but, but I want to think about his needs and pour into him. And listen, when two people are doing that for one another, that is a beautiful thing. Can I tell you? It is a beautiful, beautiful representation of Christ and the church. Listen, Jesus gave everything that he had for you and for me. And now we want to, I want to, as a servant of God, I want to give everything I have back, not thinking of myself, but thinking of God, because that's what God did for me. And then maybe the last relationship that you could see is maybe like a boss and an employee, right? And of course, bosses, they're notorious for just thinking about like, what can I get out of this relationship, all right? Like, all I want you to do is fix the bottom line. I don't really care about you. Like, if you had a boss like that before, like, you just, I, they don't care about me. They don't care about my family. They don't care about nothing. All they care about is money. They're the Mr. Potter of the workplace and I hate them, right? But on the same token, as an employee, you even have to kind of think the same way about the company that you work for. You wanna think, hey, I'm not just getting a paycheck, but how can I actually benefit this relationship? How can I give to this company? How can I help others that are around me, my coworkers? That's what it is all about. Here's the deal. Um, in the Bible, it talks about this as well. It says, if you want to become great, who, what do you have to become? A servant. If you want to become great, you have to become a servant. What does that story come from? The disciples are all arguing with each other. Like, who's going to be the best when we get to heaven? I'm going to be the best. I'm going to sit next to Jesus. No, I'm going to sit next to Jesus. Like, I am the best. And then Jesus comes up and says, no, 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 no. Listen, if you're spending your whole life trying to think about how you're the best and how you're trying to be great and everything like that, listen, you're going to get humbled real quick. But if you spend your entire life giving to others and being a servant for other people, then I promise you when we get to heaven, you're going to see what your reward is. Amen? And it says in the Bible also, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. The economy of heaven is so backwards from everything that we know here on earth. It's completely contrary to the way that you and I think. And we have to remind ourselves that, listen, the way that God thinks about things is different than the way I think about things. And you have to actually train yourself to not be so greedy and so selfish in your relationships, but start to think the way that Jesus does, which is, hey, I'm going to give myself for my wife or my husband. I'm going to give myself for my friends. Not neglecting yourself, right? Don't hear, me what I'm, don't hear me wrong. Not neglecting yourself. It's important to take care of yourself. But at the same time, you're saying, hey, listen, I want to make sure that I'm thinking about other people. Uh, not, I don't want to be thinking about myself more than I am other people. Amen? So um, the last one that I actually thought of, and, and I thought of maybe saying this or not, but the last relationship would be even churches and volunteers sometimes. I've seen this time and time again. I've even done it myself a few times in my life. Not really proud of it, to be totally honest. Like, what can I get from you? And I think churches, and, and a big problem that we're seeing today is that people get used as a means to an end, right? 
It's really difficult and I really don't like it. I, can we just get real for a second here? Is that fine? Churches will use people to get to where they're going. Like, hey, I, 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 we need your money so that we can do this. We need your time so that we can uh, have kids ministry happen and so that we can make this church thing happen so that we can get more people and get more money and get more people on staff and you know, buy myself a Mercedes, right? Like that's just being totally honest. People get used as a means to an end. That happens in the workplace and it is not any different in many, many churches. Listen, volunteering is not a means to an end. It is the end because volunteering, they're not roles to be filled, but listen, they're people to be developed, right? Like we wanna have a relationship with you here at Radical Church. We want you to know that it's, when you volunteer here, it is discipleship, right? <laughs> Like you're growing and learning to be more like Jesus when you give of yourself and give of your time. We wanna appreciate you, man. We wanna thank you. And our, can we just do this for a second, man? Our rad team is so good. Can we give it up for the rad team? You guys are so good. We have an incredible team at this church. And it's not just getting a task done but it's joining a team to make a difference with your life. It's working alongside of a community of people that you love and that you know that they love you back too. It's joining a movement to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. And that's what it's all about. I'm, I don't want to ever be the place it's like, hey, what can we get from you so that we can build our platform? I don't like that. I want it to be like, hey, I want you to volunteer because it's what Jesus would have done, number one. And I want you to volunteer and get involved and be a part of this community so that you can grow in your faith. I want you to get closer to Jesus. That's what it's all about. So greed says, how can this relationship benefit me? But generosity says, how can this benefit them? That's the first one. The second one, greed says, what can I get from you? And generosity says, what can I give to you? That's a big difference. What can I get from you? What can I give to you? And this is exactly what we see happening in this passage. The rich Jews uh, in Jerusalem they're so greedy and they're asking that question, what can I get from you, right? Like these poor people, they're, they're basically saying, hey, I'm gonna charge interest. I'm gonna make sure that we get what's ours, right? I'm gonna take mine. I'm gonna get this, I'm, I'm doing you a favor. So now uh, I'm gonna charge you all this extra interest. But no, 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 Nehemiah, and we'll see in verses 14 through 19, is that he actually shows the idea of, hey, what can I give to you? I'm not even thinking about myself, but I just wanna give, I just wanna bless, I just wanna love, and I don't need anything back. The rich Jews were taking advantage of the poor, and they were charging so much that actually it says in those first few verses that we just read, that they were selling their family members into slavery in order for them to get food. That's awful. I wanna read Luke 6, 34 through 35 right here. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Somebody say nothing. nothing. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He is kind even to the ungrateful. How many of you know Jesus gave his life for us? And how many of you know that there's a lot of people that are completely ungrateful and could care less, right? Like they don't even care at all about what Jesus did. They're mad at God. They say, hey, listen, I don't believe in this stuff. Like God is trash and you know, he's let me down or all that stuff. It's kind of some of the same stuff we talked about earlier. I went to church when I was young, but I don't believe in any of that mess. And Jesus, I mean, he, he died on the cross and gave everything that he had. And there's so many people in this world that are completely ungrateful. And yet Jesus still did it anyway, right? 
And so it says, lend to sinners, get back the same amount, right? But, but lend and expect nothing in return. So I think generosity says, what can I give to you? But I think even farther, you could take it one more step. It's what can I give you without getting anything from you? I'm not even trying to get anything from you. And listen, you know that person, like we talked about it a little bit ago, that does you a favor maybe, but that kind of is gonna expect something back, right? You ever got somebody that gives you a birthday gift? You got a great birthday gift from somebody. And it's just like, man, this is an awesome gift. This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly, man, that was so thoughtful. That was so good. And then their birthday comes around and then you already know. Like you can, you can just kind of feel the tension in the air. Like they're expecting something now. It's like, well, I got you something. So like, you got to get me something. That's how this works. Like we go back and forth. I get you something. But then there's just that kind of person that's just expecting it all the time. Like they didn't even give you the gift in the first place because they love you and cared about you. Like they gave it to you because they're expecting something back in return. Proverbs nineteen seventeen addresses this in a sense. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for this deed. Listen, don't expect anything in return when you are generous. I'm just going to say that again, because it's very, very important. Do not expect anything in return when you are generous. I know that some of you have been through this situation, but there's maybe some uh, some divorced parents or something like that. I've heard of this happen and it's it's really upsetting when I do, but it's human nature. I get it. They have some kids. And what do they do sometimes? Well, the dad buys uh, the son an Xbox, right? And now the son's real, real happy with dad, okay? Now he's kind of on dad's side of things. Well, then now the mom's going to kind of outdo that. So the mom buys a PlayStation now. It's like, oh, this is great, right? And so now, now, now the kid's kind of over on mom's side a little bit more. And then they start to try to outgive each other to buy the affection and the love of their kids. That's awful, right? And yet that's what they're doing is they're trying to get something back. And the gift is not even necessarily for the person it was given to. Sometimes it's just to stick it to somebody else. And that's a really sad way of living. I've even seen sometimes, and not in this church, praise God, but I've seen it happen where people, they'll write really, really big checks to a church. But then uh, a week later or so, they come into the office they're like, hey, pastor. And they want to meet and they want to say like, hey, uh, you know, I really would love to have that Chris Tomlin song, uh, you know, not here on the radio, that one, you know what I'm talking about? I would love to have that in service someday, right? And it comes with strings attached. Some of y'all saying, Chris Tomlin, uh-uh, get out of here. <laughs> oh man, ain't nothing wrong with some old, that's some classics, that's some good stuff, right? Oh my goodness. He owned the early thousands, guys, all right? Oh my goodness. Anyway, how great is our God? Sing with me, how great. All right, Tim, stop, 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 stop. Hey, Tim, can we do that on Sunday? No, <laughs> that is popping, my man. Anyway, listen, when you give expecting a return, it's not giving, it's a loan. Yeah. All right, let's just be honest about what it really is. It's a loan. You're expecting something in return. What does the Bible say? Your reward is you've already got it. You're not gonna get any reward when you get to heaven for your generous giving, when you're expecting either monetary or a lot of thanks and praise from the stage or like you want them to do something or a behavior changed. Listen, if you're giving with strings attached, you get no reward in heaven for that giving. That's not generous, that's a loan. Does that make sense? I don't wanna be so like cut and dry about it, but that's what the Bible says. And so um, like George Bailey in our fictional, great, amazing movie, Nehemiah gave freely to anybody in need. 
He gave freely. And in verses 14 through 19, we're not gonna read it, but I'll just kind of recap it for you. It shows how Nehemiah lives the opposite of a greedy lifestyle and lives a generous lifestyle. Uh, there is this thing that they had, it was called a governor's allowance, a governor's food allowance. So Nehemiah became the governor of Jerusalem at that time. And he was really helping. And there's some other leadership and officials and everything there, but, but he had this governor's allowance that he could have taken for himself. But what do we know? We know that there was a famine happening and that people were poor and there was not a lot of food to go around. And so what he would have done, it was basically a tax where you get food from all of the people. And now the governor's household has all of this extra food and they're able to eat and be merry and all that kind of stuff. So what does he do? He refuses it. He says, I'm not gonna take it. My people are out there hurting right now. I'm not gonna take all this extra food. I will pay for my own food at my own expense. Like I don't need people to give me food. They're hurting, they're struggling. They need this a lot more than I do. But then he even details that there's 150 men that sat at his table. There's 150 people that he's having to feed on a regular basis. And it even goes through and tells you all of the food that he had every single day prepared for all of those people. Let me tell you, it's a lot. You can go read it for yourself, verses 14 through 19. It's a lot of food. And he says, I don't need this. I'm gonna refuse this. I'm gonna feed myself. I'm gonna bless other people. And I don't wanna live a greedy lifestyle where all I do is take, take, take. And he actually even makes a distinction. He says, you know, all the governors that were before me, they took this with no problem, but not me. I'm not gonna do it. And then at the very, very end of the chapter, uh, what does he say? He says this one line. He says, Lord, remember me for the good that I've done. And he just asked that one simple phrase, like, God, would you just remember me for all this? He doesn't need any praise. He doesn't need any adoration from anybody. Who is Nehemiah looking for affirmation and praise from? God and God alone. He doesn't need anybody else to give him praise. And so what's the application? Listen, today, I just wanna ask you, how do you flip your mindset? Because it's not a natural thing to be generous, right? We wanna keep for ourselves, especially we talk about inflation and we got things are real expensive now and it's getting difficult and things are getting tighter. People are getting laid off and it, I get that. And the natural thing to do is to do what? To close off and hold on to everything that you have to keep instead of to give. But listen, when you give and when you are generous, not just to this church, right? I'm saying in general, in your everyday life, if there's somebody that has a need, man, meet that need. Give and don't expect anything in return. And God is gonna repay you for that one day. I guarantee it. Why? Because God is faithful. Just bless somebody, not for your own sake, but for their sake. What can I give to you? That's what generosity says. And we're, we have to be built by generosity. Why? Because Jesus was built by generosity, right? Uh, let's just be real. Jesus gave everything that he had. And that's the last one. It says, greed says, my life is for me. My life is for me. It's my own. I do what I want. But generosity says, my life is for others. I don't live for myself, but I live so that others can find and follow Jesus Listen, culture says this all the time. It says, you gotta do what makes you happy, right? You gotta take care of you first. When I was studying for this, guys, let me tell you, it was very interesting. I saw so many articles, so many articles that talked about how being selfish is the best way to live your life. I'm not kidding. 
article after article after article after article. I was just trying to find something that had a dissenting opinion and you couldn't even find it. I literally couldn't even find anything. It was incredible. And actually one of them, uh, this was the title. It said, selfishness, the key to a happy life. What? <laughs> selfishness, the key to a happy life. That is crazy. I was, the first thing I thought of was like, because I'm happy, clap along if you're selfish and only care about you, right? Like, that's like awful. You know, that's not the way to a happy life. Come on, are you serious? At the end of that article, you know what it said? It said the only, only way uh, or the only reason why people think that selfishness is bad is because it's a construct of religion and of bad religion at that. That's, that's the, the bottom of the article. That's what it said. The only reason why you would live for other people is if you're a religious person. And honestly, it's really not that great of a way to live. Are you serious? For real. That's what culture says. You got to take care of you. Think about your needs. Think about your money. Think about your life and your happiness. And everybody else comes second. But guys, that is completely contrary to everything that Jesus taught and everything that Jesus lived. It's completely contrary. Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Do you want to learn how to be less selfish? Let me tell you one way to learn how to be less selfish. Real quick, have some kids. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I dare you. You're a selfish person. You're independent. You want to do your own stuff. <laughs> go on and have some kids. You watch how your selfishness level goes down real quick. And if it doesn't, then you're going to have some issues. I'm telling you, when you have kids, you immediately have to learn how to become less selfish. Your life isn't just about yourself anymore, right? Parents, amen? Come on. Like, you know it's not about me anymore. It's not even just about us anymore. Now it's about them. And of course, you got to take care of this and you got to take care of this. But ultimately, it's like my life is about these little ones now and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, you can't spend money like you used to. You can't just go out every single night and do whatever you want. Uh, we had a birthday party yesterday for Pastor Tim and, uh, and it was a lot of fun. And we went out and, and, you know, spent some money and went bowling and had a lot of fun. And I, I was just honest. I was like, man, I don't remember the last time I did this. Like, this is really great. And the reason is, is because I ain't got no money because I got kids. Like, that's why I ain't going bowling all the time. <laughs> Goodness gracious. You can't go to events anymore. Like, Lindsay, she had to stay home because one of our kiddos wasn't feeling well. It's like, before kids, she would have been right there with me, you know? And you can't use the restroom by yourself anymore. Like... You're just chilling there and then, daddy, you want to play with me? <laughs> like, give me a second. All right. <laughs> I'll be out there in a minute. Okay. You know, it's like, can I just get some privacy? <laughs> no, you can't. That's right. Yeah. But parenthood reveals how living for somebody else is so special. I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love my kids. Culture says, look out for you, but the Bible says, look out for others, okay? But let's see what Jesus himself says. Mark 10, 45. Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. There it is again, to give your life for others. 
Jesus never lived for himself. He was always for others. He was always living for other people. He was always doing for other people. On, it, it, you know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus goes and talks to the woman at the well. That amazing story when he like is reaching out to her. You know uh, what it says about Jesus at that time? That was the day that Jesus was tired. It says he was real tired. And he sat down. The man just wanted some water, all right? And yet there was a woman there who needed him more than he needed that water. You know why? Because he basically ends up saying, the disciples come up to him after that, talk with the woman at the well where he encourages her and all that stuff. And they say, Rabbi, you need to eat some food. He says, man, I have food that you don't even know anything about. My food is to do the will of the father. He's actually sustaining himself by pouring himself out for others. That is Holy Spirit living. That's how you live like Jesus. Would you stand with me today? Here's the deal. When we talk about, uh, when, I, when I do talk about offering normally, and I usually don't take a long time when I talk about it, I say this same thing. If you've been here for any period of time, you know it. I say, we give because, we give because he gave. Jesus gave everything of himself for others at all times. Did he take some time to rest? Absolutely. That's important. You got to rest. You got to take care of your mental health, all that stuff. It is important. But at the end of the day, Jesus was not living for himself. He was living for other people. And ultimately, he died on a cross. Of course, that was not for himself. But who was that for? For you and for me. He gave everything he had so that we could live. And, and, and it's just incredible when I think about the most selfless person who's ever walked the earth was murdered. Isn't that crazy? The one who lived for other people, who healed people, who loved people, who revealed the heart of God for people, that father's heart, like we know the father looks down at us and feels that same way that I feel about my kids, right? It was like, I will do anything for you. Like, I love you. I would rather live for you than live for me, right? And, and that's what Jesus modeled. And that's what I'm trying to model to my kids. And Jesus died on that cross to have a relationship with you. That's the only thing that he wants. And he's not trying to get any, do you think that you seriously could give something to God that's of worth? Like, that's an old song too. That's a good one. Come on now. There's nothing that we could give God. Uh, we can't ever outgive him. Nothing that you could do that's like, oh, God's like, I really needed that, right? Like, thank you so much for your help in that situation. He can do anything he wants. So what's the purpose? Jesus is just saying, I'm gonna die on this cross and all I want is a relationship with you not in a manipulative kind of way, like that parent who's buying presents for the kid and trying to get them on their side. Listen, that's not what's happening here. Jesus dies on the cross and he says, I just want a relationship with you. I love you so much. And, and I'm gonna give my life and I'm gonna pay for your sins, the sins that you've committed, the things that you've done wrong, where, where sin has separated you from the father. I'm gonna stand in the gap and put myself on this cross so that you could have a life that you can never have on your own. 
But here's the key, Matthew 10, 39. It's the last thing Jesus says about this. He said many things, but he says, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Culture says that life is all about you. You gotta do what's good for you. You gotta take care of you. You gotta get what's yours. Relationships, you know, like take whatever you want. That's not the right way to live, y'all. If you find your life here and if all you care about is the life that you're living on this earth and that's all you're gonna get. But if you live for eternity, then that's what you're gonna get. Is a love that surpasses all understanding, a hope and a peace even that we were talking about earlier, even in those hard times, man, God's gonna be right there by your side. All you have to do is turn away from your sin and say, God, I'm going towards you. So I want everybody just to bow their heads in this place today. I'd love for you to consider this Jesus that died on a cross for you and for me, for your sins, for all the mistakes you've ever made, all the mistakes that you will inevitably make. We all mess up, right? We all have these things that it's not, it's not, we're not perfect, okay? Like we get that. We've all sinned, we've all fallen short. I understand that fact. But listen, if you will turn to God and you will turn away from your sin, what does repent mean? You see that all throughout the Bible, repent, 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 turn away from your sin. It means to turn around and walk a different direction, to do a 180, just move in the opposite direction, away from the world and towards God. And some of y'all in this place today, and you know that you need to get right with God. You just know it. And man, I haven't been living my life for God. I've been living for me. So I have been living for myself and trying to get what's mine and thinking uh, just what's right in front of me instead of thinking about eternity, instead of thinking about this God who loves me so much and cares for me. I've been in sin. I've been struggling with these things over and over and over again. And today, listen, I want you to be free from that stuff in the name of Jesus. He can break every chain. He can restore that marriage. He can get rid of that addiction that's in your life. Come on, if you need to turn to Jesus today, I want you to make that decision. Maybe for the first time, you've never believed in God before. Listen, you're not gonna have all the answers today. That's okay. We'll help you walk through it, all right? Maybe some of y'all are coming back to God. You say, I just need to get right with him today. If that's you, I, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand? I wanna see you and look up at me. I see you right here. I see you right here. I see you, my man. I see you here. I see you here at the front. Come on, is there anybody else? That's about five people so far. Is there anybody else? Raise your hand. I see you in the back over here. You wanna get right with God today? Come on, we're turning away and we're going towards Jesus. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else today? Come on, amen, amen. You can put your hands down. I see you in the back over here too. Come on. That's eight people that are saying yes to Jesus today. Come on, will you just put your hands together for a minute? Thank Jesus. Last week we had 10. Oh my goodness. What in the world? God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're good even when we're not. Thank you that you're good even when I mess up. You never do. You never fail. That you lived your life, Jesus, completely for me, completely for others, for all these people that are here today. And sometimes we are so ungrateful. But your word says that you love even the ungrateful. When I take you for granted, God, you still love me. That's a hard pill to swallow. 
God, help us to not take you for granted. Help us to have this thriving and beautiful relationship with you. And Lord, that we would turn away from our sin and that we would follow you. So I wanna ask every single person in this place today to pray along with me, especially those of you that are making that decision to follow God today. Would you just repeat after me and say, Jesus, thank you for living your life for me. I make you number one. I make you my king, my Lord, and my savior. God, I trust you. I'm not gonna have all the answers, but even in the valley, I know you'll be with me. But I turn from my sin. God, forgive me. And thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen in the house of God. Eight people saying yes to Jesus. Come on. That's good stuff, guys. That is good stuff. Hey, I just have a couple things that I want to do before we leave today. You notice we didn't talk about any kind of offering today or anything like that. And, and I wanted to wait till the end because the idea of generosity is that it's not just financial, but it's the way that you live your life, right? But I do want to tell you a few things today that we're doing. Last December, you guys gave $24,000 to our very first miracle offering. Y'all remember that? So incredible. If you weren't there, it was, we had 15 different partners that we wanted to give to. We raised $24,000 in just three weeks, I think it was. It was incredible. People were just doing all kinds of, I could tell the whole story, but it was amazing. And over this year, we've been dispersing some of those funds. And so I wanted to let you know uh, two more of our miracle offering partners that we're gonna give to today. And listen, it's not me that's doing this, it's you that's doing this. So you can give yourselves a hand here in just a minute. But uh, we have some pastors and, and missionaries, I would even call them, that are in Mexico, okay? And their names are Bo and Carrie Wallace. Some of you guys remember them and they were just amazing. Uh, their boys were here. They went to our first ever youth camp that we had. And uh, they are just doing amazing things for God. And so uh, today, uh, actually tomorrow morning, I wanna let you know, we're sending $1,000 to Bo and Carrie to support the work of their church down there and what they're doing. Come on, that's amazing. And Hayes Hope to Go is another uh, nonprofit that is here in Kyle, Texas. And I wanted to let you know uh, that we're also sending them $1,000 to help feed and clothe kids right here in Hayes County that need it the most. Come on. In the By Faith Building campaign, we are almost done. We're at $90,000. We have $10,000 left. And what I wanted to do is I just wanted to take a moment, honestly, just say thank you to each and every one of you that have been generous financially because without you, we wouldn't be able to do stuff like this. We wouldn't be able to support. I met with the missionary uh, three days ago and it's our missionary in Guatemala. I met with uh, Christina Trevino, who leads Buda's Bright Side, uh, which is a, a day hab for adults with developmental disabilities. And I'm just telling you, it's, it's incredible like what we're able to do because of your generosity, not just because of your finances, but because of your time, the rad team that serves and that gives. I just wanna say thank you to everybody that calls this church home and that invests in this place because man, it's not just about building this church, but it's about building the church, amen? That's what it's about. And so even today, actually after service, I wanna tell you guys, maybe you knew about it, maybe you didn't, but uh, all, are you a college student in this place that I see some of y'all? Raise your hand, let me hear you. If you're a college student, okay, uh, we're buying you In-N-Out today is what I'm hearing. So I guess you guys are all gonna go take over In-N-Out 
And uh, we just wanna bless you. We wanna say, hey, congrats on starting another year in school. We really believe in you guys. And listen, I know it seems stupid, it seems simple, but like, we just wanna be generous because we love you guys. And like, that's what it's about, all right? Like, we just wanna bless you and we wanna love you and say thank you uh, for being a part of the Rad Fam. Even if you never come back, we just wanna say, hey, congrats. Let's have a great year in school. So, man, I, thank you so much. Let's pray one more time before we close out today. Father God, I just pray that you would bless every person here every person that is making a choice consciously to be generous in their lives, not just uh, through a church, but if there's somebody that comes up to them that just needs, hey, will you help me move or something? Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you just need to move a couch or, hey, can I borrow a tool or something like that from your garage? Or, hey, we're having a hard time right now. And, and they didn't maybe even ask for anything, but you just felt the Holy Spirit within you say, you know what? I, I want you to pay that bill that, that they're having a hard time paying. I want you to just write a check to them for, for this amount. I want you to invest in somebody and bless somebody and give of your time and give of your finances, Lord. And we're not gonna expect anything in return, God, because Lord, we want the reward that we can get from you much more than the praise and the rewards that we can get here on earth. God, we wanna live like Jesus who gave everything that he had for us. So thank you, God. I pray blessings over every single person here. God, would you bless them uh, financially so that they can be even more generous, God? I ask for that right now, for new jobs in the name of Jesus, for new finances in the name of Jesus. It would just come in, in random forms, like random insurance checks that come out of nowhere. Lord, I don't know how you do it, how you do the things that you do, but God, I've seen it happen before and I know that you can do it again. So God, I pray blessing over them so that they can be generous in their everyday lives, over their family, over their relationships. God, would you be in the midst of it and help us to not be greedy, but to be built by generosity today. It's your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today. Yeah, sign up for a rad group right now. Get that church center app. See you later.